My name is Chad. And my name is Lucas. And this is this, this, and this. It's the show with two guys who don't know a lot, but we do know a little. Boom, chicken, boom, 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 Hi. Hey. Hi. I just got to say, and I don't know if I've said this on a previous episode or not, but every time I have to say the tagline situation, the like two guys who know this and that, I'm like, it's like a, it's like a freaking riddle to me. I can, <laughs> I can never get it out in my head clearly. Somehow it comes out of my mouth clearly. I stumbled a little bit today. We're past it. I just needed the voice that I, in my head, it's like speaking a different language and I put it on autopilot and we get there. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I've given you enough credit. I, that's hard. Hey, that's hard. Hey, I appreciate that. This wasn't a cry for help, but I, I, I it's, an, it's good to have a pat on the back every once in a while. Are you, are you trying to tell me something? Is I, something going on right now? <laughs> yeah, I think I don't know how to speak English and I haven't had the courage to speak up about it for a while, but I do now. I feel comfortable now at this point in my life. Sometimes saying this four times in one sentence, um, I, well, similarly, I, I, I reflect and I'm like, how did I get that out? But it happens. It just happens. You're so brave and strong. And, and people say that. Yeah, people say that. People do say that. No, Now that we've both pumped our egos to size, I don't know. Pump it up! Ripple XL. Um, should we learn together? Learning! You know what I was thinking? Yeah. I learned so much from this show. We're growing. You look back at all our topics, I'm like, oh my God. We know a lot of random things about a lot of random things. It's very true. And for someone who doesn't feel like they have great fun facts lined up, not that I find myself in situations where I need to share fun facts very often, but- <laughs> God, I don't have any. <laughs> oh God, good, again. Um, but it is nice to know I have this safety net here, you know, where I can, I can tell them about how big pterodactyls are and blow their freaking minds. That's just a little teaser for last week's episode for those of you who didn't listen. That's called uh, organic advertising, all right? Read about it. So organic, healthy. It's all about creating that feedback loop, baby, you know? Gotta well, get us started, big man. Hey, I'll do, I'll do it, all right? I don't need to shout. I'm in. I'm ready. Get us, get us started. Um, okay, so we're going to talk about polo. Is that all right with you? Loren? Loren, no. But I did. I had a hard time finding information about Polo. Oh, I searched, wow. Well, I searched Polo and I got Polo, the brand. And I was like, oh, I have to be more specific. And I searched Polo Sport. And then it was like Polo Sport Cologne, blah, blah, blah. Like all the aggressive names of Cologne that it has, like Polo Sport Alpha, Polo Sport AK-47, <laughs> Polo Sport Shotgun Shell. Um, so I got past all that and I actually found the horse situation, which is what we actually want to talk about. Not the brand. Who, gets, no. who cares? Who cares, frankly? Not me. Um, so you know what it is. We know what it is. People on horses with mallets hitting balls. Um, I don't know what the rules are. Uh, <laughs> frankly, I'm not quite sure there are rules there definitely are um how do you hit a ball from a horse right how are these mallets that we're talking about they're quite long but the ball is so small it's like the size of probably like a little bit smaller than a softball like a bocce ball yeah basically it's oh. not big what's the name of the target bocce the little little guy the palino <laughs> Yes, mon ami, the Polino. Um, it's bigger than a Polino, smaller than, or about the same size as the other bocce's. Um, okay. Two teams of four, which for those of you who did well in math in high school, that's eight horses total. Um, Whose horse is that? Whose horse is that? That's a lot of horses to be like in a sport. I feel like any more than, well, any sport 
that involves a horse that isn't a race is like intriguing to me because it's like they're not conscious athletes in the way that we are like how can you like it just seems like a recipe for disaster yeah, do you have to teach them the sport <laughs> it's a very rigorous three-month <laughs> course yeah like the do hardest to be in the minors and then they get sent up <laughs> polo triple a <laughs> They sign horseshoe deals. Oh, come on. Come on. Come on. Oh, that, Baby! Was, that was the best one yet. Oh, that was wow, so good. That was good. I got goosebumps. You got chills? I'm so cold. I'm so cold. Um, so on the topic of having all those horses on the field at once, um, you're familiar with a tip-off in basketball. I've seen it. Referees in the middle, throws the ball up people you know clamor to it as if the referee isn't there there's like a similar situation in polo which i like i need to see i haven't seen it but i need to see it but where like the referee or they said in some cases like an honorary guest will toss the ball up between the two teams for them to like converge upon and I don't know about, like, this is like an, an, an English game and an Indian game. But if, if we're thinking in, like, the English context, like, what if, like, the queen is there? Like, what if she's the honorary guest? Like, that can't, you got to, like, freaking haul ass out of there to get away from the horses. What if, what if she throws it up and then just gets absolutely stomped <laughs> by a horse? <laughs> This is what I'm saying. There aren't enough safeguards in place for our honorary guests. Would that be the most honorary guest in England, the Queen? Yes, or, and I and would it be like Paul, Mick Jagger. It could be Mick Jagger or Paul McCartney, who's, oh. who is still with us. Praise be. Um, I think it would. It could be up there with the most honorable guest. But I also think that a polo-related accident to kill the queen is the most honorable death that she can experience, right? Like she's literally representing the king's sport, you know? She got trampled with a signature horseshoe. Mm, mm, right, right. The LeBrons. <laughs> Not yet released. Um, death by Jordans. <laughs> death by horse Jordans. Death by, death by pony jays. Now, it, it was it was inevitably gonna get here, but say it. How do you score? Oh wow! Um, Is there a net? <laughs> I don't know how you score. Is there I'm a scrambling. a hoop? Uh, there is not a hoop. There's like a line uh, similar to football, you know? Okay. Um, Are you telling me that the, the, uh, the ladder lassie on the, on the horse has to bring the horse and the little ball across the end zone? Right. This is me stalling is just making other noises. Okay. All right. I'm going to be, I'm going to be honest. I don't know how you score. I don't know. I was too caught up in the fact that there was a sport that existed that only involved horses and people. Okay. Is that a crime? All right. No, it's not. I think it's actually so okay. It's it is. Okay. It is. It is, Chad. It's so okay. This is. How do you. So what's the point? I mean, you know, like, yeah. Well, I'd, I'd like to be clear. There's definitely a way to score. I don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> the point is to score for sure. Definitely the point is to score. I don't know what that is. What I do know, Chad, is that during halftime, there's a tradition called divot stomping where everybody in the stands, while the horses and the players are recouping at halftime, come out onto the field and walk around and stomp down all the divots to make the field. They're like... Human like Zambonis. the grounds crew, They're like human Zambonis, which is so funny to me that it's not <laughs> like a staff, it's like fans being like, Ugh, halftime, we got to go do our silly little show now. That's like the least royal part of this whole process, 
There is nothing royal about grabbing people from the stands and saying to go step on this dirt. You know, like really? you should have a refined grounds crew who's, who's sweeping the, is it, what is, is it a field? It's a field, it's a grass oh. field. And I agree, they should be smartly dressed head to toe in a tailored something. So is Lansing just polo without balls? Lansing, isn't that jan jousting? Are those jousting? I was thinking of Lance a lot. <laughs> I think the Lance is yeah. the like the poke right. situation that you use when you're jousting. I don't know why uh, it's information that's in my head. Um, why are there so many different sports that involve poking horses? Oh, oh, okay, <laughs> that too. <laughs> poking and stabbing that is a good point. It's definitely, we're definitely past the point where that's like common enough in our day-to-day -day lives for it to be involved in a sport. Has anyone ever died playing polo? I have to imagine, yes. <laughs> but it's interesting that you bring up jousting because that is a horse sport in which the horses are, you know, coming at each other, you know? <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to <laughs> flip you off. I was doing a little finger gesture and I accidentally flipped Chad off. That was not... That was not intentional. Um, but, you know, the horses are coming at one another. Like, that's the, that's the point. In polo, you can only play with your right hand. Oh, come on. Because that, well, let me think here. Yeah, you can only play with your right hand to avoid collisions. Because once you, like, hit a ball, apparently the rest of like the team and your opponent has to like follow the line that that ball is traveling in. So if you were going along that line, wait, that doesn't make any sense. I don't know why you can only play. <laughs> Are with you them. okay? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know any of the rules. I don't know how to play. I just was overcome by the fact that there are horses that are <laughs> athletes. If, if anyone is listening to this and knows how the hell polo is scored, first of all, that's very please. important to me. How do you score? Please let us know. We're dying to know. Is it a little basket? <laughs> I gotta know. Oh, 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 I did a, I did a, I did a simple command F. Um, wow. There are no goalposts, and a player scores simply by hitting the ball out of either end of the field. Okay, so past the line. You just got to knock that sucker down the way. Well, what happens if you're Barry Bonds and you just take one little swing and it just flies 100 yeah, yards? Totally rip it, I know. Yeah, I wonder <laughs> if there are any polo dingers, you know? Oh, my God. Like absolute moonshots. Moonshots. <laughs> Should we look, should we look up best polo highlights? <laughs> best time? best polo salamis. <laughs> um, so, so, go ahead. Yeah, go oh, ahead. No, 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 please. Well, I just want to know where the polo shirt comes from. Then it's part of the original uniform. Whoa! <laughs> yeah, you're supposed to uh, wear the polo shirt and white pants, which is like what people had worn since the beginning, which is pretty impractical given how dirty the sport is. But you know, it's one of those, one of those royal games. It's, it's one of those things where you want to show um, how dirty a uniform is after you've played a hot game. <laughs> it gets so filthy and covered in grease. And people go, oh, they worked really hard in this game. You got to give it up to them. They played a hard game. They got a dirty uniform. Polo seems, <coughs> excuse me. Polo um, seems ridiculous. It is, but it also seems like it would be the perfect subject for like a Tide commercial, you know? Like polo player comes home from practice all covered in grass stains. Parents are absolutely livid. Pop a Tide in there. Beauty. Um, um, excuse me, I'm going to go pop a Tide real quick. <laughs> do that in private. Um, <laughs> I read a little bit further. And this oh, is no. what I really wanted to talk about as it relates to polo. <clears throat> There's not just horse polo, Chad. Oh, oh no. There's more. 
There is donkey, camel, yak, and elephant's polo. Oh, God. Oh, mama. They're, they're getting the whole jungle crew involved. Um, so I looked up yak polo, and I, from what I can understand, it's the same situation. You're just playing it on a yak, baby. Uh, but then I, I say, go ahead. Elephant polo sounds very high above the ground and very dangerous. Very dangerous. Yeah. Your mallet has got to be just like a, a metric, I don't know, fuck ton long. Um, plus, it's got to be pretty slow, right? Unless they, I mean, I'm sure they can pick up quite some speed if they need to, but I guess elephants are really smart. Maybe they understand, you know, what's at stake in the game. They're almost too smart for the game. The elephant's like, oh, we're down by 10? Oh, my God. I kick it into fifth gear right now. I'm That's on my teammates down. God, I don't want to disappoint anybody. Imagine, imagine polo on a manatee underwater. Mm. Just riding that hog. That sea cow, as they are called. <laughs> Have you seen the video of the manatee, like, going towards the barrier of the aquarium yes. and then its little nose goes <laughs> <laughs> that's actually the most decorated manatee uh polo athlete of his generation he's in retirement now he's he's just recouping he's he's seen it all he has he has in his time um the the variety of polo got me thinking about this sport that i had read about a long time ago that is similar to polo and altogether very different. And it's called buskashi. No, buska buskashi is a Central Asian sport that involves many horses and humans riding upon them. Oh, wow. Um, and the object of the game is to control possession of a goat carcass of a, of a dead, disemboweled, and sometimes limbs cut off of goat carcass that's filled with sand and there are no teams from what i can tell it's just who can get the dead goat on a, among a sea of horses and riders is this currently played it sure is it sure is huh currently played in tajikistan i know that for sure um it seems like absolute bedlam, absolute organized chaos. Not even organized, frankly. It doesn't sound very organized. There are no teams. <laughs> I don't think so. And I think the object is to, well, in some versions of the game, the object is to take the goat, <laughs> take the goat and just be separate from the crowd like do such a good job possessing, possessing it that you're able to get away from everybody else and then you're like declared the winner, like capture the flag sort of kind of, except it's capture the dead goat darkest. So um, it's just one big game of keep away? <laughs> one big game of keep away, um, except there's not one person you're keeping it away from, you're keeping it away from everyone. And instead of a beach ball, it's a goat carcass. <laughs> um, and in another version, there is like a scoring zone or a circle where you throw the, the goat carcass into to score points. And the circle is called the circle of justice. <laughs> justice! Justice for the goat, yes! How much sand are you supposed to put in the goat carcass? However much feels right, you know? It's kind of like seasoning things with salt, you know? Just a pinch here, a pinch there. Whatever feels right to the eye, you know? Pick a little, tug a little, pick a little, tug a little, cheep, cheep, cheep. Wow, that's, I've never heard of it. I don't, I'm not surprised. Uh, I hadn't either. And I, I guess I'm, I'm surprised it still is played in 2021. But, hey, I get it. Why is baseball still a thing? I don't know. I love it, though. You got to blow off some steam with the boys, you know? I, I've heard that before. And if you've got just these goats lying around, these no good, downright, dirty goats, 
you got to figure out something to do with them. Eating cans and that is the thing that we learned as kids is that goats fucking love to eat cans. Why? Is it true? I think it is. Really? Well, they do eat bramble. Thank God. Do goats like cans? Search top 10 best goats eating cans moments. Oh, no. Goats do not eat tin cans. Okay. Okay. Does it say where we learned that from? No. It's like cartoons. Like Tom and Jerry or like Popeye. I think. Have you ever seen a Popeye cartoon? <laughs> yeah. What? Really? Yeah. He eats the spinach. His big arm gets huge. Uh, I'm, I mean, I'm familiar. I just... Have you watched like a whole Popeye cartoon? I'm sure at some point in my life. And he loves the lady and there's the man with the, the, the burgers. He loves his burgers. What? His name's like Skimpy or something. I don't know. <laughs> hey, Skimpy. You like those burgers, huh? He's gotta have them. Does everyone in the Popeye universe have a have a food that they just cannot they get, can't enough? get enough of? So true. Everyone's got it. What's the um the lady's favorite food is it's gotta be horseradish, just raw. That's she loves it. <laughs> not the sauce, not Easy. the condiment. She just wants the root straight up. <laughs> the radish root, the rutabaga. Rutabaga. Um I I I I that's <laughs> that's all I've got to talk about, Chad. I, I, we've we've exhausted our <laughs> livestock quota for the day. God, it's insane. Yeah, I think we should get involved in a livestock-related sport soon. Okay. What sounds I, best to you? Well, I think where we should start is racing. Okay. And I think the animal we should race is a pig because yeah. they're intelligent and lovable and they look so so silly when they run their little tiny feet i tell you and we should and we should lather them in mud yep the race begins make them all slippy slidey sloppy do S- slippy little slippy little piggies which isn't a ped not since the board ruled on it no, they deemed that as an appropriate substance. Even necessary, required in some states, depending on where you're racing. Mississippi. They're a big mud state. God, they love it down there. The mud state. <laughs> Mississippi. The mud state. The mud state. Oh, I love polo. God, me too. Can't wait to get involved. Well, let's go into something very different. Yeah. <laughs> One could say, um, Lucas, we're going to be talking about mimes. Mimes. Let's get into it. Is there a, a lot mime to say artist. about mimes? <laughs> there, there are. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not. Another in. zinger. Bingo. Crack it up. That was good. That was good. Um, there actually is great lot to say about mimes. Um, in fact, um, in earlier times, the English would refer to someone who mimed as a mummer. <laughs> That's what I call my mummy. <laughs> Hi, mummer. Hello, mummer. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I, I honestly, I like it. It sounds like a nickname for a mummy, you old mummer. <laughs> and that's a throwback to maybe our uh, third or fourth episode. So. Oh my gosh, we've come so far. Wow. Now, we are older now. Okay. Lucas, if I asked you where miming originated? I love these questions. <laughs> I love when we get to do some trivia here. God, I love it. Okay, where did miming originate? Can I get a date when it, um, like a like 
circa bleep blop bloop seeing a lot of shaking um i'm gonna say ancient and then a country okay. <laughs> i can make no dates for you ancient blank okay well the greeks they did love their theater but they were more into like the spoken word you know they were all into the greek chorus and and blah 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 um ancient bleep, blah, blah. ancient it's a country of today yes okay so not mesopotamia noted no, no. i think i will say ancient china it's greece crap i talked myself out of it like a dummy the uh, the performance of mime originates at its earliest in ancient greece the name is taken from a single masked dancer <sighs> the name was pantomimus <laughs> <laughs> i think i had that once in high school i was very sick for days pantomimus awesome badass what a baller oh my god now there are different kinds of mimes that originated back then uh there was what was called the tragic mime oh and he he that i'll just i'll was... react i'll react to every type of mime with this sound. <laughs> oh. that tragic mime was developed by pulares of kilikika yep i was gonna say that actually yep and the comic mime <laughs> was developed by Bathulos of Alexandria. Yes, in Egypt. We all knew that. We did. I mean, it's knew that. kind of embarrassing you repeated it, frankly. Lucas, if you were a, a ruler at that time, would you like a mime show? Hmm, yes. Why, yes, I would. Well, no, I wouldn't. I would not. Okay. Take uh, it back. I don't want it. And here's why. I don't like, well, okay. If I was a ruler, I would have to assume that the performance was private. And that's how I'm imagining it in my head. Like I'm in my, I'm in my like throne room and the mime comes in to do his show or whatever. I would hate that. Any yeah. like small scale performance where I'm like required to visually acknowledge that I'm enjoying what the other person's doing. I ain't into that. And especially if it's a mime where there's literally no sound at all. And the only sound you can hear is my rapidly increasing heart rate and how uncomfortable I am. I would step down as ruler. I couldn't take the pressure. So in a shocking reversal of <laughs> maximum proportions, no, fuck that. <laughs> I'm not into it. Wait, what would have uh, happened if I said yes? Would I have gotten a prize? There is no prize. Okay, I guess that's good to know. Do or do not, there is no try. You know what I mean? Right, I do think about that often. Now, I something I thought was interesting is we think of mimes as the, they, they're wearing black and white. They don't say anything. They, they, they only perform on the streets of France. And if you think about it, there are so many other forms of the mime artist, including people like the Marx Brothers, Charlie Chaplin, Buster Keaton, Harold Lloyd, silent film stars. They true. all studied the mime art. That's so true. And thank God they did. Thank God they did. They gave us some classics. Without them, them, without them, we would have never gotten the hangover. Can you imagine the world without that? I, I shudder at the thought of that. <laughs> Truly shudder. Now, the world's best known mime artist, um, his name was uh, Marcel Marceau. Are you familiar with Marcel Marceau? No, but I already don't like him, and I'll tell you why. <gasps> to accept the title of the world's best known mime after someone named pantomimus literally started this art that you've chosen to adopt that is a 
That is an arrogant move. Now, if I were him, I would be I would be tipping my cap constantly and of course silently, but constantly to the man the art is named after. Was that so wrong? Pantomimus. Pantomimus. Exactly. I'm I'm with you. I think that's it's a that's a that's a large title to bear. What's his name? Monus Ponus, Hocus Pocus. Mar Marcel Marceau. Yeah, of course. Now he's no longer with us, Lucas. He died oh. in 2007. Whoa, recently. Yeah. Um, he died at the age of 84. Okay. He um he's credited with the create with creating the figure of Bip. B <laughs> I was choked on my own spit. <laughs> he with creating BIP. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Okay, he's, now, winning me over. he's winning me over. The special thing about BIP is BIP is a melancholy, engaging clown with a limp red flower in his hat. Oh, I hate that. I'm, I'm, I'm back out. I'm out again. <laughs> I hate him again. I hate him again. Wait, engaging clown? Like he wants to like engage with you? He can't talk. Yeah, he probably gets up in your face a little bit. He's like, Ugh. hard pass. No, thank you, Bip. Now, let me take you through Marceau's life story a little bit. Um, he was born in the, oh God. He was born in Strasbourg. <laughs> sure. In 1923. And he was brought up in Lily where his father was a butcher. A butcher. I respect that. Oh, God. I didn't read this too closely, but <laughs> when we World go. War II came, his father was taken hostage and later killed by the invading Nazis. Oh, no. And in 1944, Marcel joined his elder brother in the resistance. Good for him. Resistance against the Nazis, I would hope. I, I think so. Okay, good. I think so. But to be fair, it's not clear. Well, I wanted to qualify my good for you to, to indicate that I did not mean it in any other way other than against the Nazis. In, in your defense, it is simply titled Resistance, capital R. I don't really know. Really makes you think. Res really makes you think. Here's a, here's a classic quote from Marcel Marceau. One that we all probably know, but, you know, go on. Mime, like music, knows neither borders nor nationalities. If laughter and tears are the characteristics of humanity, all cultures are steeped in our discipline. Oh. That's a whole lot of nothing, Marcel. <laughs> and after he said that, he vanished in a cloud of smoke. <laughs> he disappeared. Marcel Marceau. <laughs> so he formed his own mime company in 1948. And the troupe was soon touring European countries, presenting all sorts of mime dramas, comic and tragic. And then the company failed financially in 1959, but was revived as a school, the École Internationale de Mimodrame in 1984. Ah, uh, oui, 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 oui. You know how some parents are really upset with like their children's life choices? I you do. Like, I feel like comedians are always like, ah, uh, yes. My mom went, you should be a doctor. And I said, I'm not very good at that. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's tough for Marcel Marseille in particular because first he lived as a mime, failed yeah. as a mime. Yeah. And you'd think after failing as a mime, you would go, all right, we gave that a shot. And I think the lesson is clear. But Marcel said, I'm going to fucking double down. And I don't care what anybody says. And not only, did he, not only did he double down, but he created a school in which he could corrupt future generations to make the same mistakes that he had. He said, I will continue the cycle. <laughs> All right. I'm still on the fuck Marcel Marseille train. <laughs> this guy sucks. I hate him. Now, okay, here... Going away from Marcel Marceau a little bit, um, traditionally mimes are completely silent, but in contemporary times, mm. while refraining from speaking, 
some mimes employ vocal sounds when they perform. So they'll say something now. They just mm. want to maybe speak words. Now, is that like part of their act or is it like, you know, when the people like you see in New York City or Chicago who are like painted all silver and they're like, I'm a mm. statue. And then people come up and like statue, like try and get them to break <laughs> kind of thing. And eventually they do break. But instead of like, oh, you got me, their break is like a backhand across the face. Is that oh the God. kind of, maybe is that the kind of noise that we're expecting? Do people do that? <laughs> yeah, like people try and mess with those people, try and like poke on them and get them to like stop being a statue. Do the statues slap people across the face? I've seen, face, Facebook will show you videos like that if you're in the right time and place. Facebook will show you videos like that. You will. And they won't apologize, just like they don't apologize for anything. And then hours later, you're on, you're in a deep hole of mimes getting slapped and you just don't know what to do. And your browser's frozen and your phone has a million viruses. And suddenly that's all you can see on your phone is mimes getting slapped <laughs> on Facebook. <laughs> It sucks. And it sucks so much that that's what Mark Zuckerberg wants, you know? Mark Zuckerberg is aiming to ruin the existence of mime artists. Right. By absolutely inundating us with mime content until we can't take it anymore. <laughs> Too much mime content. Too much. I gotta get out. Oh, I gotta go. Now, um... Something that I thought was interesting is, do you know why mimes often wear striped shirts? Um, I'll take a I'll take a wild guess. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> a camouflage. Yeah. Like a zebra. <laughs> huh? Huh? Uh, it's because of the French Navy. Wait, the French Navy has to wear stripes? I I think they used to. I don't know if they still have to. Oh, that's hilarious. I didn't know that that was at one point a military uniform. As someone who knows absolutely nothing about the military, do you have to wear camouflage as a member of the Navy? No. It's always on a boat, so it doesn't really matter. No, I don't think they do. I was mostly joking about camouflage. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I just think it's with my American brain, which I'll be the first to admit has many flaws, but in my American brain, the thought of a soldier just wearing stripes as their uniform, it's kind of funny to me. I'll say it. It, it is silly. Hopefully they're vertical, right? Isn't that- Make them look taller. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right, more formidable. Did you know yeah. that um, on a trip to the coast in 1917, um, Coco Chanel became inspired by French sailor clothing and used it for her nautical line? Well, hello, Coco. My, my, my. Oh, hey. my, my, my. Good for her, honestly. Yeah. That's just called, uh, that's just called being observant. It's called being observant and it's called harvesting an opportunity from a source that doesn't need any help, you know? Wow. Just, it's right there. And they're, the, the Navy's doing fine in terms of fashion. They've got it figured out, apparently. You know who also did that? I don't. Pantomimus. Pantomimus. You know, when I hear pantomimus, my mind somehow goes to Aunt Jemima, and yep. I don't know, you know, just the, the same pronunciation. And... I also hear a little bit of penis at the end. Something oh! About, something about pantomimus, pantopemus, pantopemus. It's like right there, you know. Pantopemus! Pantopemus! Um, I think if, if that was a part of the mime act, I think mimes would have been out loud a long time ago, you know. If, if penises were involved, yeah. <laughs> if they just, I, yes. If they I, were like silently doing some sort of like box 
and then suddenly their their dick was up. <laughs> there we go. Oh, I, okay. So I see he's in a box. Okay, I see he's in a. Oh my. Oh, oh my good lord. Okay, it's time to go. Time Is to he... go. Go get your Is... money out of the hat. Don't leave that for him. <laughs> Is he swinging his lance? Oh like, my god. <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah, that wouldn't fly. Even in ancient no. Greece. Oh god, no. Well, and maybe in the bathhouse. In the bathhouse it'll fly. But try doing that in the town square and you're getting put in the what are the things where you where your head's locked in and your arms are the in? Guillotine. No, no. Well, yes, oh. but the one where you like you get tomato the barracks where you get tomatoes thrown at you, you know? Oh. Like in the town square. Yeah. Is that what it's called? barracks or is that a place where people sleep i think that's a it's a bunk bed oh crap what did, ah, you, crap. What did you call that where um tomatoes oh, the get stockade thrown. the stockade that's it that's the no, word that's wall street that's wall no. street <laughs> no 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 you got it all wrong buster vocab word for you all you listeners at home stockade you don't want to be there unless you're trying to get pelted with rotten fruit could be nice. We've learned something and now our listeners have. That's what we aim to do. And that's all I want to say about mimes. Leave it. If it ain't broke, leave it. That's what I say. This is me waving goodbye to Marcel Marceau. Goodbye, Marcel Marceau. Whoa, you, Chad, you're, wow. Just in just a little research. And I, and I feel bad for our viewers because they're not seeing this, but Chad has really convinced me that he was talking and his audio was cut out, but in fact, he was just mouthing him because he's just that good. I've learned so much! Um, should we talk about birds, Chad? I would love to talk about birds. I knew you would say that. I knew you would say that. Um, our final topic of the evening is falconry. Falconry, Captain, <laughs> Captain Falconry. Sorry, are you all right? <laughs> mm. Take a moment. I shouldn't have taken a sip of my wawa, Mister Game and Watch. <laughs> so Falconry, Bobby uh, Moynihan. <laughs> Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Keenan Thompson. Um, all right, we've gotten our announcing voice out of the way. It's had its day and it's past. Um, falconry, it's using birds to catch other animals. Falconry is when you release a bird that you've trained and you've come to love and trust like your own son. And you say, get out there and get that rabbit, get that squirrel, get that rat, and bring it back here. Daddy's hungry. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's it. <laughs> you say, listen here, you little feathered creature. I need to eat. Bring me back some furry dinner for my stew. <laughs> <laughs> so um, sorry go ahead they don't really get to fly the coop though because they have to go back they can be free for a second but they want to come back yeah they're trained it's like it's like a, you know like when you you see those dog owners who are clearly just like so much better at training their dog than you are and they're like oh this is lassie and if i let her off the leash she'll like go and do her thing but i i trust her and i know she'll come back honestly that is so impressive it's so impressive how do you make that happen it's so so much discipline i feel like discipline that i frankly don't have from the dog discipline from the person i i think. long nights of studying from the dog <laughs> that dog has pulled itself up by its bootstraps gone to the public library, checked out books on training itself, and put on its little dog speckies and read the night away. 
I love dogs with glasses. It's true, and not enough of them wear them. Smart. You're so smart and so visually impaired, just like you and I, buddy. So smart, and we both wear glasses because we're very stupid. Um. <laughs> so the birds do come back. They come back. And sometimes, Chad, though, they don't come back. Whoa, wait, what? Yeah, sometimes they leave, and they get so caught up in the world that they're like, I want to freaking shoot the breeze for a while this shit slaps i'm having such a good time out here with my fresh air and my trees and rocks and squirrels abounding can you imagine being someone who has trained professionally in that for years and they're they're ready to unveil their bird and and they're, they look at their bird and the bird looks at them and they're like let's do this buddy we got it and then they go fly <laughs> And, and it doesn't come, come back. back. Usually like, they, they don't have to worry about that because they got their birds tagged, which is um, pretty fucked up, honestly. Yeah. It's kind of counterintuitive to the whole let the bird fly free situation. Are they on the sale rack or are they uh, retail price? Interesting question. They're clearance for sure. Bargain birds. Ooh. Read about it. Um, <laughs> Hundreds of them in a little bucket. <laughs> exactly. A bucket, of birds. a bucket of flightless but soon to be flying birds. Um, so yeah, the, the, you, you train them, you release them to go get you some hunks of fresh meat and you bring them back and you put on that silly little hat where it covers their eyes so they don't get nervous and you wear your big old oven mitt it sounds so awesome and not at all stupid in any way. <laughs> I wish I had a hat I could put over my eyes when I get nervous. Yeah, me too. And, and I wish that we lived in a society where it was acceptable for people to do that. <laughs> to wear them you're on- where you can cover <laughs> you can cover your eyes. Where you're like <laughs> you're like at a dinner party and you're like, uh, you know what? I, I, I'll be right back. And you walk and you walk back in and you have a leather helmet on that covers just both of your eyes. Like, so what were you saying? Yeah, freaking Senate in an absolute stalemate. Unbelievable, I know. And you're just cool as a cucumber. You're like, yeah, what's up? I'm a different person now. I got my hat on. I'm at like a, like a Zoom work meeting and you're about to present and you're, you just slowly cover your <laughs> And someone chats you and is like, what is with the hat? Take the hat off. We agreed no hat. We agreed no hat. <laughs> you turn your video off and on again to put the hat on. I would do that, honestly. Yeah, I've done it. So If I can shut the outside world out while I'm saying something that makes me nervous, like, sign me up. I, that was kind of beautiful, what you said just now. Don't get emotional on me. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So they got their little hats. Yeah, they love their hats, and the <laughs> owners love their gloves. Um, it's a pretty intense process to get approved to own birds for hunting. It's like so intense. Um. Falconry is also legal in 49 states, excluding Hawaii and the District of Columbia. Chad, everything okay? Yeah, I um, I heard a, an incredibly loud sound. Oh, shockingly loud! And firework? I have on. If that's a firework. It's one of the loudest ones I've heard. <laughs> Is there a storm rolling in? No. Oh. Let's keep going. <laughs> okay. Um, so it's legal in 49 states, excluding Hawaii and the District of Columbia. So if I were interested in becoming a falconer, not available to me, unfortunately. Good, good for Hawaii. Say no to getting birds to get daddy's meat. <laughs> Daddy hungry for a squirrel. Uh, 
Yeah, that's uh, it's apparently illegal because they're nervous about birds being released and not returning and becoming like part of the Hawaiian ecosystem. As oh, that makes species. sense. Species and then like disrupting and allegedly killing a lot of things. So it makes sense. They they have an already very delicate ecosystem, you know, all those little islands. Um, but here's the, I'm going to give you a quick rundown of like the timeline of permitting that needs to take place for you to own birds. Um, so you need a permit first and foremost. Um, and to get that permit slash license, you need to pass a written test, have equipment and facilities inspected and serve a minimum of two years as an apprentice under a licensed falconer which is a buck wild. And during that two-year process, your apprentice can only possess one raptor. <sighs> so you need to like forge a connection with this bird, which I don't think you like is a very good process considering that it's already somebody else's bird. So how are you supposed to demonstrate that you're going to be good at it if you're just like mooching off of somebody else's? I mean, I guess it depends on love languages, right? That's a good point. Like, if you have a lot, if like acts of service are like really important to that bird, like I think it could be easy to win them over, you know? Right, right. I'm not an acts of service person myself. I'm a quality time person. Yeah, yeah. I don't think Falcons care much about quality time because they're always okay. talking about on their own. I think they're sure. more of a physical touch type. You know how people always be stroking birds? People be stroking. <laughs> <laughs> there's one thing we've learned from this episode it's that people be stroking um but think about it you know they're know. they're <laughs> like you're you put your arm up and they attach to it because they love you that's physical touch you put their little hat on because they can't do it themselves you do it gently and you pet their back physical touch i i, I rest my case you know what do they what do they want gifts no they don't want gifts what would you give a falcon? I'd give a falcon a chance to go get me a squirrel because daddy hungry. <laughs> that's, that's the life of that falcon. So how fast can a falcon go? Here's what I got to say, Chad. Sometimes, sometimes when I talk about the topics that I've prepared, you ask me such technical and intricate <laughs> questions that I just have no idea how to answer. How fast can a falcon go? I don't know. Free fast. I, okay, I actually do know the answer to this, which is okay. I feel bad for um, <laughs> going on a rant there, but I do. I, I think both are true. Um, the fastest animal in the world is a peregrine falcon. And it's not the fastest land animal, of course, because, you know, it's flying. But right. I think it can travel upwards of like 125 miles an hour in its dive bomb situation. Which I think is terminal velocity, but maybe that depends on your mass. Peregrine, falcon, max speed, speed. max speed. Holy, okay, <laughs> not 125. Wait, Holy wait, 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 wait. Can God. I guess? Please guess. Because my first instinct, I'm thinking back to Planet Earth two episode i believe it's four cities. cities 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 i remember some kind of hawk it was a peregrine falcon was it a peregrine falcon it was. i remember something like 300 miles per hour it was either a peregrine falcon or a kestrel it's not important yeah. uh, what's your guess your final guess about 300 240 okay 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 but that's a buck wild speed to me how do they do that? I guess they get so small and slipstreamed that they just like <laughs> slip. They're like, they're they're like when you when you throw the perfect paper airplane and you're just like, oh, dude. One time growing up, I made the perfect paper airplane, and I threw it like, <clears throat> excuse me, I threw it <laughs> directly into the air, like straight up, and a gust of wind took it, and it took it all the way down the block. Like it flew all the way down the street. Oh my God. And it was like the best day of my life. 
I wish I kept you know, a diary then because I'm sure that it would have been just an absolutely electric entry that day. You know, at like baseball games when someone has a paper airplane and they throw from like the absolute highest point in the stadium. I do. And it just goes onto the grass. It just settles nicely next to a player. So nice. What on earth am I looking at? I've seen a video of one being thrown from the upper deck and hitting <gasps> his head. And the crowd went absolutely mental. Do you think you can take, um, do you think you get workers comp if you have paper cuts? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Most definitely. Because there's no way that that's your fault. You know, like how could you have, how could you be held responsible for that? You're not trying to cut your fingers with paper. Obviously. I mean, <laughs> come on. Who would do that? That's a great scam, actually. Is just give yourself a bunch of paper cuts and demand workers' comp for it. Uh, workers' comp. Oh, sorry, I was stuck in the supply closet for <laughs> years, and I've got twelve hundred paper cuts. Someone pay me. <laughs> you know what's underrated? Stealing office supplies. Oh, agreed. agreed. I got this. I got this big old notepad that I just took from the supply closet at work. Mm. Back when there were three weeks where I went into work and yep, yep, I've been it's there. Nice, <laughs> and that's where you do some of your best sketches. I've heard. Yeah, um, I, I'm really good at doing a V tree. <laughs> a V tree. A V tree. A V tree. What's that? A V tree. For our listeners who aren't familiar, um, and and hosts I, and hosts, I actually learned this. Uh, Back in an acting camp, I believe it was uh, circa 2005, maybe? Okay, very cool, very legal. You, you draw your the base of your tree, and then you just draw a bunch of these, and you slowly connect them together to form some sort of, you know, average Joe tree. Maybe it's in the fall, and the leaves have fallen yeah. on because I don't really know how to put the leaves on there. I'm so excited. Enough where you get uh, you get all the uh, the branches, and ooh, they're going left, they're going right, uh, they're going all over the place. I do a little hole in the middle of the tree. That's where the little the little squirrels, the little birds, they like to hang out in the little hole in the tree. Uh, it's kind of a beautiful thing. Show me, show me. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Wow, that's that's great. It's literally, you just make these and you keep making more of these. Wait, you just whipped that up just now? Yeah. God, he's good. It looks like the tree that um, Mr. and Mrs. Fox live in Fantastic Mr. Fox. Yeah, I actually, I loosely based it off that tree. I could tell. Hey, and that shines through, brother. My, my. That's literally the only thing I, I've ever been good at. Is, is V-trees? I have no other skills, personal skills, technical skills. I can draw that freaking tree. That's about it. The day you die. You have plenty of other skills. We can get into those later. Um, <laughs> back to Falcons. Back to Falcons. I, I, I don't know how much more I have to say, Chad. Other than- other I mean, they're really fast. Time. They're really fast. If you want to become a speed demons, you need at least two years and then another like three to five to possess multiple raptors. So I don't know, frankly, if it's worth it. Um, do you have any parting words of wisdom for our listeners? You know, I guess like all I would say is just, you know, thanks for being you and thanks for letting us be us. Um, I think it's really easy to lose sight of that. Um, but not when we're together like this, us that, and you, the listener. That's beautiful. A, a friend recently shared with me that, you know, sometimes just listening to this podcast makes them feel like they're with us and that's what matters to them. And we hope that's the experience for all of you. Wow. wow. I'm going to go weep now. <laughs> yeah. What a mic drop. The, uh, the ancient Greeks would be proud, especially Pantomimus Penis, Pantopenus, or whatever his name was. Pantomimus. Pantomimus. Um, well, Chad, thank you for uh, joining me on this journey. It's been a pleasure to trek through it with you, as always. As always.
<laughs> <laughs> this has been this, this, and this. Bye.